Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here for our congregation of prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Thursday, July 28th, 2022. Uh, it's good to be back in town, although uh, having put in three long days at a pastor conference, um, I'm driving back and forth. Uh, well, I'm a little bit behind on everything, so <laughs> I got to do some office work and uh, try to catch up on some other things too at home. All right, uh, let's see. Today we'll continue our catechesis in the Gospel according to Luke. Um, we're reading through the Gospel of Luke. This is important. Uh, an important note to make, I think, that too often we read stories in the Bible um, as independent, kind of like, um, not autonomous or, um, you know, that they stand alone, right? Uh, and, and that's almost never true. Almost, you know, even your most famous or favorite or um, Bible passages are actually given in a context of a story of, and then in a, in a whole narrative, right? A book. So, for example, uh, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. That text is in the context of um, Jesus teaching Nicodemus about baptism. Well, how many people know that? That he's actually talking about baptismal regeneration and how baptism joins us to the cross of Christ, John chapter 3, right? Um, and then how does that fit within the broader narrative of John chapters, say, 2 through 4, which, is, which are about um, Christ and his church and uh, with pictures of marriage and water, right? And wine and all of that with the wedding at Cana. Well, unless you read it, you know, in a continuous fashion, um, you won't do that. I actually heard a presentation yesterday uh, from our brother pastor, uh, also a friend of mine, who um, um, really convicted us to uh, read the Bible more, uh, even more in this way. Um, now, we do it each day. We read a, a kind of a, we call a pericope or a, a section, and we're reading it continuously through Luke. Uh, but yet, it's even still um, hard to kind of catch the the narrative momentum, you might say, of uh, of the text, right, of the story. So um, he was advocating that you read, basically, read the Bible as a collection of books, um, eleven books, uh, break broke it up into eleven sections, and that you read a chapter from each of the books each day. Um, so, like from the books of Moses, from uh, um, one of the Gospels, etc. Right. Uh, and then that way you can kind of get a sense for the broader narrative. And then also perhaps, um, you know, doing it that way, or you could do it another way where you simply read uh, a chapter from the Old Testament, chapter from the, or six chapters from the Old Testament, three chapters from the New Testament, and then you can read the whole Bible twice in a year, right? And do that continuously. That would even get more of this uh, contextual uh, character for you. So uh, I'm thinking about how perhaps I can implement that into my own um, daily meditation and study of God's Word, and then encourage you to do the same. Uh, not as a replacement, of course, for what we do here, uh, which is which is catechetical in particular, um, but just simply just to read the Bible as um, our story, you know, our, the stories that we tell and that God has given us actually to tell. Good. See you checking in in the chat. Uh, we've got Karen, Don and Karen, Chris, Gus and Eileen, um, Lori, Defresh is on YouTube. Uh, question, give us the 11 parts. Yeah, it's Dr. Horner is the person, and I haven't done any work on this, uh, reading Bible, let's see, Bible reading, 10-day reading, Bible plan, something like that. Um, it's all over, <laughs> all over the uh, the internet, actually. I'm seeing lots of different links to it, so apparently, I don't know. Oh, it's Grant Horner, uh, who's a Baptist, I believe. 
All right, yeah. So here I'll I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and then the eleven parts rather than ten parts. That was a um, the presenter had modified this plan for his own use. All right, but I'll put the link. Um, yeah, and especially if you're um, you know an empty nester, retired. Um, but even so, uh, this this plan from Horner, which is interesting to me, and I want to do more work on it. Um, typically, is about forty five minutes a day, and you can read the whole Bible um, twice a year. But but his uh, his approach is specifically so that you can see the intertextuality of the Bible, how each section of the Bible relates to the other, right? Um, fundamental Lutheran confession or doctrine or actually really just practical tool um, is that Scripture interprets Scripture. We've talked about this a lot, right? If you don't understand one portion of Scripture, um, find other parts of Scripture that are clear on the same uh, subject or topic or word. Um, and let those interpret the one that's less clear, right? Well, how can you do that unless you read around in the Bible, right? And you know um, the, the difference. So this is kind of a, um, a plan or a system to let the text do that, to, to see relationships and um, um, connections that maybe you've never seen before and that aren't in like the study notes in your study Bible, right? Which are very limited. <laughs> so um, yeah, take a look at it, see what you think. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Say our memory verse for the week. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 16. Our psalm, Psalm 119. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light, it imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your just decrees. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. First reading today is from the prophet Haggai, chapter 2. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts once more, It is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come 
to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of, the, of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. All right. So again, a prophet um, during the time of exile and uh, prophetically calling upon uh, or, or, or prophetically telling us of Christ coming to us in the flesh and tabernacling amongst us and being um, our temple. You'll note also there, um, this is the source of the origin for one of the O antiphons, uh, which you know through the hymn, um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but the antiphons being antiphons for the Magnificat at Vespers each day uh, from December, uh, what, 18th through the 25th? No, yeah, I think so, for the week before Christmas. And um, uh, O Come, O Desire of Nations, Come, and uh, something about Make Your Home. How's it go? Somebody can pop into the chat if you remember O Come, O Come, Emmanuel by heart. <laughs> Get there before I do. <laughs> Comes right at, it's the last hymn of the Advent section in LSB. All right. Um, so the, the original antiphon translated is, uh, let's see, O Desire of Nations. Which one is that? Oh, it's the last stanza, right? O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease, and be thyself our king of peace, which you say there. And in this place I will give you peace. Yeah. Come, desire of nations, come. Um, that's a, let's see, the day spring. Yeah, so it would be December 22nd um, antiphon. O king of the nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us save us all whom you formed out of clay. It's a reflection on that. So stanza seven. And then the chorus, or the refrain, I should say, is the, the last of the antiphons. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. All right. So a little bit of Advent slash Christmas in uh, July still, yeah? And then our reading from June... Or excuse me, from Luke. I don't know how I got June. Uh, Luke 17. Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. <laughs> and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all the things which uh, you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. All right. So another reference to the mustard seed here. Um, who is he talking to? This is key for context, of course. Talking to the disciples. Uh, previously, in our previous readings, he's been talking to the Pharisees, remember? So now he turns to the disciples and gives a warning 
right? Because remember, he's speaking words um, of judgment, I would say, an accusation even, against the Pharisees and scribes, right? Uh, but then he says to the disciples, uh, with a warning, woe to the one through whom offenses come, right? It's impossible for there not to be offenses, but woe to the one through whom they come, right? What would be better for him than offending the little ones, that is, those of faith, if he hung a millstone around his neck and were thrown into the sea, right? So he's not talking about how he has offended the Pharisees. Um, That is right and good and true, actually. (laughs) He's talking about how they have offended um, those whom they were given uh, to preach the word to truthfully and rightfully, and they had uh, faithfully, and they had forsaken that that duty and had offended um, the weak. How is the term for throwing into, right, to throw the millstone in? Thrown into, used in Luke elsewhere. Let's go way back to Luke 4, which we read many, many weeks ago. Uh, it had to do with being thrown into the sea, the same idea. That was when um, the demon throws the man down in the midst of the people, and then um, Jesus um, has him come out without hurting because of his command, and they go into the pigs, right? And they cast themselves into the sea. So, again, the little ones here, who are we talking about? We're not talking about children necessarily, although, in a way, we're talking about the baptized, right? The ch- children of God. Hmm? Uh, this term to offend, um, better, probably better translated, just transliterated straight from the Greek. Scandalizo is the word, so scandalize. How is that term scandalize used in Luke elsewhere, too? Blessed are those who are not scandalized, offended, um, by the Son of Man, by the word that he does, speaks and the, and the actions that he does. It's back in Luke 7, all right? So we're blessed when we're not offended by the work that Jesus does, right? Because what he does, he does for our good and for our blessing, right? And according to God's will, being the Son of God, the faithful Son of God. Whereas the Pharisees and scribes offend not for the sake of the truth, um, but rather because of their error. Good. Um, stones. Ooh, Stones are all over the place in Luke's gospel. Wait, let's look at some of those. All right. So we could go back to Luke 3, like the millstone, right? Um, back in Luke 3 with the ministry of John the Baptist, he said, um, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. He's talking to the Pharisees again, the multitudes, you brood of vipers. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, right? Stones are lifeless, according to John, but even God can bring life out of that which is dead. Of course, resurrection. Um, we had this with the uh, the father, remember? Um, the parable of the good father. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish, right? So again, um, their stone is uh, uh, negative, of course. Not only is it lifeless, but um, it's inedible. (laughs) Then, let's see, Luke 19, of course. um, This is uh, the triumphal entry, according to St. Luke. All right, so this would be, yeah, on uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, Some of the Pharisees called to the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, after they cried out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. But he answered and said to them, the Pharisees, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. All right. Um, now, we heard that both from John, or excuse me, from Luke here, um, but also from John the Baptist. So, Jesus at, in the triumphal entry and John the Baptist, it's actually um, from 
actually from Haggai, we just didn't read quite far enough. <laughs> so um, uh, let me pull that up. It's actually, I think it's just Haggai 2, verse 11. Yeah, thus says the Lord of hosts. I think that's right. Hold on. Did I get that right? These stones would immediately cry out. Oh no, Habakkuk. That's why we didn't get there. Um, Habakkuk 2. You give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples, and sin goes against your soul, for the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. You see, even the stones cry out. All right. Oh, boy, there's more. Uh, how about Luke 20? So now we're talking about uh, the crucifixion, right? They looked at them and said, um, actually, no, he's still teaching in the temple. What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone, he's quoting Psalm 118, whoever falls on that stone will be broken, and on whom it ever falls, it will grind him to powder. Right? So stone is used for judgment. And then, of course, the stone in Luke 24, which, uh, which um, sealed the tomb. All right, so uh, maybe to summarize here, all these stone things in Luke... The stones are lifeless. Christ comes, though, as the stone um, who rolls away the stone of death. And to fall on this stone, on Jesus, in repentance is to receive life, um, even though one is broken. Right? Whoever desires to save his life must lose it, as he says. He must die with Christ in order to be raised with him. All right. Uh, back to the text here. We've got verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. How do we take heed to ourselves? Uh, this is about repentance, right? Um, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, right? So correct the brother uh, in faith, according to the word. If he repents, forgive him, right? What should we do if a brother sins against, against us uh, seven times in a day and repents each time? Again, forgive, right? The very act of confessing sin is a sign of repentance. Hmm. Uh, what did the apostles then ask Jesus to do, right? I think they recognize that this is, uh, for man, this is impossible, right? To forgive in such a way. So they asked the Lord, Verse 5, increase their faith. All right, so we've got the mustard seed again. We had this back in uh, Luke 13. I think it comes up again later on. Get my Bible back up here. Luke 18. Uh, There it is. Um, The woman and the judge. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Oh, that's asking for faith again, right? Uh, back in 13, it was the uh, mustard seed, and it grows up as a tree, right? So it's um, it's proverbial, we'll say it that way, like a little mini proverb, just the idea of a mustard seed being a description of faith. It begins very small, but then when planted and germinates and grows, it becomes um, great. Uh, by who's doing, though? By the seed's doing? Or by the no no it's all it's all the Lord's doing right He's the one who plants it He's the one who nurtures it He's the one that causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall He's the one that gives it life and causes it to grow um, So yeah it's the Lord's doing A mulberry tree is interesting um, set in contrast right and being uprooted um, It could be a black mulberry um, It can also be translated as a sycamore So it could be that too um, In either case they're actually uh, rather rather long-lived um, and, well, especially mulberry tree, uh, a dense shade tree with a dark fruit, right, red juice, 
um, and they often referred to the, the fruit of the mulberry tree as being uh, blood, right? So, um, so the mulberry tree, you know, might represent here death, actually, uh, being dark and red, and then that being pulled up. Uprooting is a term um, that the prophet, particularly the prophet Jeremiah, uses to describe um, how God, um, when he repents us, when he um, calls us uh, to faith again, it, he describes it as being uprooted. Right, and then being planted, of course, um, is referring to um, faith or the word. Right, being planted. We had that back with the mulberry tree, and or excuse me, the sick. Um, let me look at it here again. The mustard seed back in Luke thirteen. Um, we have planting later on in this chapter, actually, just in a few verses, uh, seventeen. Where is that? There it is. Um, referring to um, the time of Noah, right? Likewise, they set, and then afterwards, they set in the days of Lot. They ate and they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. All right, so again, repentance and faith. Right there, they planted not what was needful, that would be um, God's word in their hearts, but rather um, that which would be destroyed by the fire and brimstone. You also have this with the vineyard owner who planted the vineyard, right? And looked for fruit and found none. Um, that's in uh, Luke 20. So we'll get to that. And not too many, not too long. Um, of course, you, you might just want to remember the beginning of, of the Psalter. Um, Psalm 1. This is probably a good motto uh, for each of us, especially um, for the heads of households, the, um, the fathers. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. All right. So, yeah, Jesus uses it, um, this idea of planting, as do the prophets, to indicate the need um, for that which has been planted by God, that is his word usually, to live in repentance and faith. Right? What's the servant doing here? Seven, plowing or tending sheep, right? Um, these two, we've already seen this, and we'll see it again, both of these are used as metaphors uh, for the work of the pastors, for the apostles, you know, first, and then the apost- those in the apostolic office, the office of the holy ministry, right? Is either plowing or tending, right? They don't plant; they they care for what the Lord has planted. They don't um, gather the flock. The Lord gathers the flock, and they care for the flock that the Lord has gathered. What does not happen when he comes into the field? Comes in from the field, right? All right, he's worked all day. Does he just come in and sit down and um, eat at once? No, uh, what it <laughs> it needs to be prepared, right? So he rather says um, to the servant, prepare something, right? So that the master may eat and drink, and then the servant will eat and drink. Is the servant thanked? No, this is really important. Um, I was thinking about this last night. It could have been a different sermon for St. James the Elder than the one I preached. It was my kind of another idea I had. Um, but this desire in the church um, not simply to serve, um, but to be thanked. Now, I mean, thankfulness and recognition is all good. Um, even pastors, 
you know, I, I try to serve quietly and without looking for recognition or, um, or a compliment, but, um, but you, I mean, feedback is helpful, right? And thankfulness is a, is a, is a sign of, th- of feedback. It's kind of feedback that's helpful. Um, this happened to me at the pastor conference. I just sat down. I sit down with random people. I don't like to seek out particular friends or something like that. Oh, I didn't really have any close friends there anyway. Um, cause these were people from all over the country. I had acquaintances and people I know well, um, but I'd rather get to know other people too. Um, anyway, I sit down to someone next to someone and he introduced himself and, um, I didn't know him at all. Um, but then he thanked me. <laughs> it's very bizarre, right? Um, like really for what? He's like, well, you were an inspiration to me. I'm like, whoa, good night. Uh, where did that come from? Um, uh, but he's doing something similar to what we're doing here in his own parish. Uh, and he, he somehow, I don't know, stumbled upon it or something, um, took cues from uh, encouraging the congregation. And he was doing daily prayer, like what we do, but he wasn't doing it in such a way that it was accessible to his congregation, you know, through media. And so he's been doing the same sort of thing. And uh, he was inspired by what we do here. Like, wow. I didn't know we had that kind of reach, but there you go. All right. Uh, is that recognition helpful? I, I suppose so, uh, but it can also go to your head <laughs> and uh, turn you to pride, right? So here Jesus says specifically, no, um, actually um, take the seat, the lowest seat, like we talked about uh, with James um, the elder last night, right? Accept whatever the Lord sets upon you, right? In humility, right? We are unprofitable servants. Uh, we've just done what it is our duty to do, right? Preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins, the duty that you've been given as pastors, right? In particular here. Um, and then uh, <laughs> and then confess your own sins and live in the forgiveness of sins. Uh, this, of course, applies to all vocations, as we mentioned in the sermon last night, which you can go and uh, listen to or watch on our media page, that um, all of us are given this in our same vocations. We, we want recognition. We want to be noticed. We want um, to be acknowledged. But... Um, Rather, simply do what you've been given to do by the Lord, um, as he's established by his word, you know, in all your vocation, whether you be um, a husband or wife, you know, father or mother, child, worker, citizen, right, employer, employee, um, governor, whatever it may be, uh, within your vocation, serve faithfully according to God's word, right? And at the end of the day, you know, with a clear conscience, you can say, I've done, I've done what was given for me to do, Right. Whether anyone noticed or not, um, the Lord did. Hmm? Same thing, especially for pastors. Um, it's given here in the text, but I think it does apply um, to all of us. All right. So, uh, meditation then. Jesus was preparing the twelve for the preaching of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. The language of being thrown into the sea reminds us of our baptism, where we, were, we are buried with Christ so that we may live. It is better to live the baptismal life of repentance than to harm the faith of the baptized. The millstone reminds us of the account of David's murder of Uriah, 2 Samuel 11. Remember? Cast off the, the height of the, of the wall and uh, it killed him. And his need, David's need for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. The request for the increase of faith is really a prayer to live a life of ongoing repentance. When Jesus talks about the mulberry tree, he is directing his disciples to proclaim repentance to Israel, that it may be pulled up by the roots and planted in the waters of baptism. This baptismal life means that we continually confess our unworthiness. As unworthy sinners, we gather at the feast he first ate and drank, a feast he instituted for us to eat and drink for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Um, we talked about this last night, Chris, uh, your comment 
Jerusalem. It is our service to the Lord. Actually, Jesus explicitly says the opposite. Um, that is our natural, That, as I said in the sermon, that's our natural position before God, is that um, he came for us to be to serve him. Um, no, actually, he came to serve us. Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Right? It's right there in the text last night um, from mm. Luke, Luke 10, right? And uh, our service, then, as he serves us, is redirected not towards God, right? We live in faith toward God, but our service is in love for neighbor. Jesus talks about this in the parable, uh, say, of the wheat and the tares or um, the sheep and the goats, right? When did we see you hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison? When did we serve you, Lord? You said you did that we did. He said, when you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me, right? So um, our service for the Lord is actually to serve one another, right? In love, in the forgiveness of sins, uh, with peace and patience and kindness and whatnot, right? Uh, the Lord serves us, and then we in turn are given then to serve one another. It's it's really kind of an undermining of the typical authority structure <laughs> or organizational structure, uh, which again, you can just listen to the sermon last night and you'll get that. All right. So yeah, that's what I meant. Good, Chris. Yeah. You, uh, you know, we're careful with words here. So uh, good. I'm glad you understood it properly. The Lord serves us that we would serve one another. Same way that he forgives us so that our cup overflows with forgiveness uh, for one another. Okay. Good. Let's confess our catechism, the first petition. Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it, Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this heavenly Father. All right. Um, yeah, let's actually do the last two stanzas. I think they tie in well with today.
Uh, today is also the commemoration of Johann Sebastian Bach, Cantor. All right. Upon this day in 1750, the great Cantor, Johann Sebastian Bach, died. The heritage of music he left is so great that when the Voyager space probes were sent out, they carried on them the joyous strains of the famed Brandenburg Concertos as representative of the noblest and greatest music of planet Earth. All right On a big gold LP, if you've seen, uh, what is that, 2001? But what is the key to the great greatness of this composer? If we take his own writings seriously, we realize that first and foremost, he was a convinced and devout Lutheran. His edition of, Luth of the Luther Bible has his notes scribbled throughout, uh, which he wrote down as he studied the text with his pastor. His edition of the Luther Bible, or as I said, Luther and the Lutheran Church highly valued music, reckoning it after the word of God as God's greatest gift to man. And it was to be offered to God's glory. The music from Bach's pen invariably invokes Jesus at the beginning, help Jesus, Jesu Yuva in Latin, and concludes, all glory be to God alone. Yeah. Uh, what is that? All glory be to God alone. Deo Gloria. Soli Deo Gloria. Johann was born into a musical family in the city of Eisenach. His father was director of the musicians in the town, and all his uncles were professional musicians. Bach, too, grew up to be a professional musician for the church, and his ministry culminated in Leipzig, where he uh, organized the musical offerings in the city's churches. There he sought to forge what he regarded as, quote, a well-regulated church music. By this he meant a series of poetic songs that interacted with the chief hymn of each Sunday and festival. The music was designed to preach and thus complement the word read in the divine service and proclaimed from the pulpit. For Lutheran musicians, this praise of God as proclaiming the great things he has done was key to all the music in the church. At times, irascible in his insistence that music be fully funded and staffed, Bach became known as an ardent and uncompromising defender of the noble work of Cantor. He fathered many children, several of whom continued to serve in the family tradition of making music for the church. During his own lifetime, Bach achieved renown as a gifted organist. His compositions have enriched the church ever since they were written. The depth of his musical painting in the B minor mass is still unrivaled, and his cantatas bring joy to the heart of those who hear in them the sweet gospel message matchlessly paired with notes. All right. Um, so let us pray. Almighty God, beautiful in majesty and majestic in holiness, you have taught us in Holy Scripture to sing your praises and have given to your servant, Johann Sebastian Bach, grace to show forth your glory in his music. Continue to grant this gift of inspiration to all your servants who write and make music for your people, that with joy we on earth may glimpse your beauty, and at length know the inexhaustible richness of your new creation in Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. 
Lord of all power and might, author and giver of all good things, graft into our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and of your great mercy, keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today uh, for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ and his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. All right. Pray today in Thanksgiving with Dawn, who celebrates her birthday. We pray with uh, for Joan, who celebrates her baptism today. Pray for the households of our church, especially David, Alan, Deborah, Carol, Scarlett, and Randy. We continue to pray in Thanksgiving with Tim for the gift of healing. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Dan, and Brad. Our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care. We pray uh, with an intercession for the preservation and increase of chastity amongst us. We pray for those grieving, especially the family of Brooks and the family of Luke. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Right, it's been a joy to have you with us here today for our congregation of prayer. I hope you can join us again tomorrow morning. Uh, We'll continue to pray tomorrow with the ten leopards, as the kids say are the 10 lepers. They do have spots, so I think it's kind of fun, right? Um, but they're from leprosy, you know, the skin disease, not to <laughs> because they're leopards. Anyway, I'm sure there's, that joke is old and uh, it's a, really a dad joke, but okay. Uh, so we'll look at that tomorrow, as well as uh, the rest of our readings and our catechism, our hymn, um, and make our prayers. So God be with you today, and we'll see you again tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church, Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.